it was just a shit show, man. It was, it, you know, <laughs> I think I think our biggest influences in that band were like Rage Against the Machine, uh, fucking wait, what was it? Rage Against the Machine. Every time I die, and like. Uh, Wu Tang Clan. It was like, it was like shit. Like, shit I, I don't know. We just drove. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Square Zeroes, the podcast about musicians and their earliest recordings. I'm Derek Hawkins. And I'm John Mann. And today we're talking with Stefan Merch and Carlos Valet of Sun Voyager. In today's show, we're going to hear some of the music Stefan and Carlos made years ago and talk about the projects that led them to where they are now. But before we do that, we're going to bring you in on a recent Sun Voyager track. This is Gypsy Hill.
Once again, that was Gypsy Hill by Sun Voyager, featuring Stefan Murch on bass and Carlos Valle on guitar and vocals. So Sun Voyager is a New York-based trio that's been really active here in Brooklyn lately. They joined the King Pizza label not long ago, and they just dropped a great split cassette with their label mates Greasy Hearts. Now Stefan and Carlos have been friends since they were teenagers, and they played in a number of different bands growing up. The first thing they worked on together was a band called The Holding Company. That was the project you heard Stefan refer to as a shit show at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Were you aware that there was a big brother in the holding company when you started this band? No. No, no we, we, we actually weren't. We actually, I, when I did mean, you find were, out? Were you guys, I, I mean, I, I kind of came into the bands uh, like a year into it. Um, they, they needed me to fill in for, for somebody at a show, and you know, I just ended up joining the band. But uh, did, did you guys know? I think it was like, that was like a Ryan thing. Yeah, I think we kind of... We're kind of uh, stoked on the on the acronym right. of the holding company, and uh, Big Brother and Janis Joplin, for me at least, didn't ring a bell right off the top of my head until someone said, you know, that's Janis Joplin's band. So, <laughs> oh, you're right. And you guys were just like, well, fuck it, we're keeping the name. We got to. Yeah, it was. Well, it was THC, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we, that's that's pretty much how how the the name came about. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it goes without saying. I don't even need to explain it any further. <laughs> so what's amazing is that that's the project Stefan chose to call a shit show. Because we've got to back it up for a second. The Holding Company is not the first thing we heard from these guys. Right. Stefan brought in a track from a project that predates his involvement in The Holding Company. And I don't know, maybe shit show wasn't a strong enough word for what you're about to hear. It's it's marked as toilet song. Is that the actual title? Uh no no. Okay. The, the, Tell us about that. It was it, it's actually a, a a theme song for for uh it was like a show concept that we came up with in a dorm room in college. It was uh, the the show was gonna be called My Dad the Toilet, and uh, the premise behind the show is uh, you know dude dude comes into a bathroom jerks off on toilet seat, uh, chick sits down on the toilet and gets pregnant. And can't find the dad, so they take the toilet. And so the toilet becomes the dad. Uh, he's a drunk, of course. Anthropomorphic yeah. toilet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. I, I, I don't know how we were going to do the toilet. You know, it didn't really get that far into production. We had a couple ideas. You know, like uh, he finds out he's the last toilet that Jesus sat on before he died. And uh, he, he was a Vietnam <laughs> War vet with like a war vet buddy. And uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it was pretty crazy. So. Well, let's hear the theme song, and maybe we can talk about it a little more. Uh, let's do it. My dad, the toilet, made of porcelain, stationed in the bathroom to have the whole thing around. But then one fateful night, a stranger came along, showered him and semen as if he were a thorn. I was really expecting at the end with that toilet flushing to then hear like a wah, 
<laughs> oh man, how did you guys record that? It was a garage band thing, you know. You have you have your uh, you have your keyboard, your keyboard keyboard, like your laptop keyboard, where you you have the piano and you're just like and everything over it, like that ba 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 ba. It was just stupid shit. <laughs> have you guys ever heard anything that ridiculous on this show yet? <laughs> the answer is no, right? I mean, it's got to be no. It's definitely top three. I think we could probably leave it there. It's funny. We've encountered this sort of thing a lot. Humor in early recordings. For a lot of musicians, I think in the early stages of playing and recording, there's this tendency to do joke material because it takes the weight off of having to do something serious and being held to a serious standard. Yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, I mean, I'll also buy that funny bored kids in the suburbs smoke a lot of pot and record themselves doing dumb stuff. Yeah, and it's not like these things aren't gems in their own right. So did you record the toilet, or was that like... Yeah, you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that is a, a Monmouth like... University toilet in the background. <laughs> yeah. And did, what did you do? Just like hold your laptop, like, for, like a built-in <laughs> yeah. mic up against exactly, the toilet? Exactly, exactly. Oh you know, it's, it's, it's GarageBand, man. You gotta, you gotta be creative with your uh, spacing and all that. And also to be clear, now, was that... The three of you guys and someone else, or what? How was that? Who was involved in that project? Um, there were there were a few dudes from from college. This guy Brian St. John, uh, this dude Nick Ariema, total total uh, weirdo. Those are those are, <laughs> those are college guy names, man. Yeah, I know, the, I know those guys. It, it, it feels like it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, the, it was it was just ridiculous. We kind of did this thing. It was called uh, Titties, Taters, and Fried Eggs, and we we got that name from like a, a poster for different names for tits on the wall it oh, was just like wow. different different names i i don't know it was a poster that was on a fucking fried dorm eggs. room yeah fried oh. eggs i don't know where that came from and taters i don't know who, who calls tits taters <laughs> i've at least heard taters yeah I'm familiar like, with taters yeah, like tatas knockers yeah. bouncing bettys you know but I, I i it's it's kind of fucking ridiculous how that shit comes about you know yeah man you just you just take a bunch of adderall in college and and this this is the shit that happens so I was curious about how Stefan transitioned from being in titties, taters, and fried eggs into this more serious band with Carlos. And as it turns out, titties, taters, and fried eggs was exactly what it sounded like. A funny side project. The guys had been playing in bands that had shared stages together since middle school. So when Carlos and their drummer Kyle needed someone to fill in on guitar in the holding company, it made sense that everything fell into place. Ah! 
That was cool, man. Kind of reminded me of like some middle era Sabbath, but like definitely some middle 2000s like metalcore vocals. Sure. Is that an accurate sure. assessment? Sure. I think I think <laughs> the the early to mid 2000s was a very confusing time for a lot of people. Absolutely, <laughs> man. And uh, you know, there was a I think there was a wave of kind of that like they termed it like Southern rock, like Maylene in the Sun's Disaster, something that kind of had a swing to it. And we were always those kind of guys that like needed a good kind of swing to it, you know? So mm -hmm. like we were into like hardcore and stuff, but we couldn't stick to that, that straight kind of hardcore feel. We, we always had some, we always had a kind of a groove to it, you know? So yeah. it was like this loud kind of, again, well, I think it, that's where you kind of get that early Sabbath vibe, even though that wasn't our intention. So it's just something that kind of resonates with us. So, you know. We stick with something like that. Someone's got to swing. Yeah. And there's not a lot, you know, it's the one thing it lacks is like a lot of the mid 2000s, like metalcore and hardcore type stuff has a lot of changes, like a lot of beat changes, a lot of like chord changes and stuff that was almost built around like a vamp. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. And I think that was a lot of, you know, our intention most of the time we wanted something that was really kind of like powerful and, you know, stuck to kind of what we knew, you know. And if, if it's this kind of thing, you know, if we liked the sound of it and we, we thought it had a good groove to it, it's just something we stuck with, you know. It wasn't, you know, we weren't trying to take someone else's stuff. Um, I mean, you always kind of unintentionally do that. Music seeps into you. But again, I think that was always our, even if we play with bands who weren't, there was never bands who were kind of just like us when we play with a lot of metal and hardcore, you know. There's always a certain sound and we always kind of had a little different sound because we had a different attitude about it, you know. I think, you know, we were, or at least I was kind of transforming from listening to the early kind of 70s generation style rock and roll. I mean, I was listening to that before I could really appreciate it, I think, you know? So I think when we moved in towards the holding company, uh, it was just, it was just all about, all about the feeling, you know? Uh, and I think maybe some of that came into me, some of the early music I was listening to that always kind of set us apart a little bit differently. But we never tried to really fit in, and we were always really well accepted. <clears throat> Sorry. In a, in a lot of music communities. I mean, we've built a lot of great, you know, music bases in our old band, in the Holden Company. There was, a, you know, a few places around uh, kind of the tri-state area. We can go to Jersey, we can go to certain parts of New York, and we can get a huge pull. You know, and I think it's because we didn't really try to do what was going, you know, what was really happening but uh we kind of fit in there but we're doing something a little bit different so it kind of set us apart and you know so it was you know it was, it was a good experience you know but you kind of moved past that after a certain point you know? 
So the the holding company first got formed. Uh, it was me on vocals, uh, and then we had uh, a pair of brothers, Ryan and Devin, from our hometown. Ryan played bass. Devin played guitar. Um, and then Kyle, the drummer, and Sun Voyager was a drummer in the holding company. Um, and that's where that's where Stefan came in um, when one of the brothers, Devin couldn't really commit a lot of his time to what we were trying to do. And so he very respectfully bowed out and was like, you know, I want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. And that's when we got an opportunity to have Stefan come in and, you know, he clicked right away. Um, so there was no issues there. It was never like he had to settle in, like this dude would roll up and we'd be hanging and he'd be hanging, you know, and it'd be cool. Um, Cause sometimes people will get a little bit, uh, no, I'm intimidated. You know, we'll be standing around just kind of smoking weed and not really doing anything. Everyone's like, all right, what are these schmucks doing? You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. but Merch fit right in. You know, he's like, yeah. sit on the couch with us, just kind of hang out and watch TV. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a big deal, you know. Yeah, but, we, we um, were already boys. So, like, I mean, I listened to them all the time. Already, yeah, yeah. And, like, I went to a few, went to a bunch of shows and um, like, dug, I dug the holding company. So I was like, yeah. hell yeah, I'll be in the holding company. Right. Fuck yeah, let's do this. And so we tried to take the band to the next step which in our minds was let's move in together, which <laughs> may, which was probably the worst mistake we made as a band. Probably the best mistake we've made personally, <laughs> you know, I think it That's was an a, excellent way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we moved into a house together in upstate New York, right outside of the city of Albany, uh, the capital of New York. Um, and the band quickly deteriorated from there. Uh, we recorded live in the house. We had a, a kind of engineer producer, one of the bass players, a uh, family friend come to the house. Uh, we paid the guy in beer and he recorded an album for us in our house, um, which all around was a great experience. A lot of learning experiences, a lot of weird times in that house. Um, How long did it last in that house? Well, the lease was for a year. Um, our one guitar player was who I forgot to mention, uh, Steve Friedman. He came in 
uh, towards the end of the band as kind of a lead guitar player. Steve actually, uh, if you come to one of our shows every once in a while, you'll see a second guitar player up there. We typically play as a three-piece. You'll see a second guitar player up there. That's uh, Steve Friedman, one of our friends from back home. Uh, but he actually joined the holding company at the very end when we moved in together. Um, and he was out of the house three, four months in. He was like, I can't take this. And he quit the band. And he was out. Um, Steve's the smart one. Yeah, Steve was the smart one. Uh, <laughs> was gone within three, three, four months. And then after that, uh, there's a lot less shows. Um, you know, things quietly, you know, started to kind of move in their own directions. And uh, don't want to get too personal about it, but basically we had to just call it quits. And it was best for everybody to just call it quits. Um, and that ended probably 2011. Yeah, 2011. So maybe the beginning of 2011, we said, you know what, we really need to do this for our own personal reasons, you know? And musically, I think, uh, personally, I felt my growth of musically was being stunted by the atmosphere I was in, and it was a better idea just to, you know, everyone go their own ways, and if we find our way back to each other, we will, and that's kind of what happened with Sun Voyager. So the holding company ended probably in the beginning of 2011, and Sun Voyager probably started up at the end of that year, maybe the beginning of 2012. Uh, I was going to school to finish my degree up in Albany. Um, so I was by myself. I had a couple of friends from home who lived up there, so I had a nice place to, to crash at. But for the most part, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really involved in too much. So after the holding company broke up, um, decided to kind of start my own project or get something going in hopes that Kyle and Stefan will be willing to play with me, you know, down the road. Uh, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. I did a lot of writing by myself up in Albany. Um, and then I'd go to a lot of shows and I talked to, you know, the people running the door and the bookers and say, Hey, I got a band. We're from Albany, quote unquote, because a lot of times in Albany, they won't let you in there unless you're a local. You know, so we, I would promote our band as a local band, even though I was the only one up there. So I would so I'd be writing in Albany, and then when I had weekends off, or when I was off from school, I'd drive down back to where we're all from in Orange County, and we started practicing in my parents' restaurant. My parents have a restaurant. <laughs> so the restaurant would close about 9, 10 o'clock at night, lock the door, start loading in the equipment through the back of the restaurant. And that's how Sun Voyager really birthed itself. We would play late at night when I, would, I was home from school. And I'd be like, and we were originally under the name Black Masses uh, before we officially called ourselves Sun Voyager. We were still in the middle of figuring out what exactly this music was gonna turn out to be. And so a lot of that was done at the restaurant late at night, coming home from school, these guys were around. So we would just play all throughout the night and stuff like that, so it was cool. So big thanks to Stefan and Carlos for coming on Square Zeroes. If you haven't seen Sun Voyager live yet, be sure to check them out this month. You can catch them February 4th at St. Vitus in Brooklyn, February 27th at AS220 in Providence, and February 28th at White House in Boston. To close out, we're going to play an exclusive new track from Sun Voyager's upcoming record. This is White Angel. Enjoy. Yeah. 